0: Hey listeners, Dennis Wisco here. It's been a minute since I've been on the mic and I do apologize for my absence. Obviously, there is a lot going on with the pandemic, with race relations and police brutality. And also personally, I'm experiencing some marital issues and having to work through that. All in all, I'm back here with you. And not only do I have this episode here for you, but I've been working on a few things and I will be looking to introduce to you more episodes, more content in the near future. So if you're just joining us for the first time, welcome to Wisco Weekly. We explore the new business models for the mobility of people and goods. You'll be learning lots of information as it pertains to your mobility. Perhaps it is about new business models when it comes to used car leasing hint hint that is what we are going to cover today or maybe there are some transportation policy issues that you want to get a better understanding about the goal of this show has always been to provide a great listening experience to you by engaging in some conversations and telling you some stories that go on in the automotive space, in the micro-mobility space, in the policy space. It just seems as if the content I'm able to bring to you is a bit rawer. Does that is that even a word? raw? Do you even know the word I'm saying? R-A-W-E-R? It's a bit rarer than some of the other content that is out there. And so that is where one of the things I'm looking forward to bringing more to you I've really been focusing on the value of money, anywhere from learning economic theory to trading stocks. And so expect to hear more content as it applies to the value of money on Wisco Weekly. For this upcoming episode, I have for you Mr. Boone Park. He is the co-founder and general counsel of FAIR, their business model is to provide a used car leasing service to you. One of the things that has evolved in the licensed driver options, a licensed driver being somebody who obviously has a driver's license, but usually either buys cash for a car or makes payments for a car. One of the new business models that is coming up is the subscriber business model as it relates to licensed drivers. And that's what we're going to cover today with Mr. Boone Park. So you're in for a good episode. You will you've probably heard me already discuss used car leasing and just talking more about the used car market. I generally am a big fan right now of the used car market for many, many reasons. So stay tuned. You have a great guest in Boone Park that you'll get to hear from. Before we get to today's episode, let's take care of some business. Wisco Weekly is proudly supported by our media partners. Our first media partner is CoMotion Miami. CoMotion Miami, you've heard me talk about them before. They have moved their events online Certainly, I think the more intriguing things that's going to be coming out of COVID-19 are a lot of the discussions now with public and private sector on how they plan to reinvent their cities and their municipalities and their agencies to adopt to the economic crisis, to adopt to maybe social distancing, to adopt towards a lack of funds that agencies are getting all of these things all of these things are super important right now and Comotion miami will have some of the best speakers talking about this more information to come about their virtual event that is occurring later this month you can visit wiscoweeklypod.com comotion to learn more also a thank you to our other media partner automotive mastermind automotive mastermind has been I've been a fanboy of the company for some time now and they've been a partner with me for maybe the last year or so now. They are just a great partner, not the, not just to me, but to the dealers they support. One of the things that they did most recently, just as a quick little pivot, to help their partners was to transform a bit of their software as a service company and turn it into a business development center and help their dealer clients to make calls to schedule appointments and i thought that was just quite amazing so i'm very thankful for automotive mastermind being a partner of whiska weekly you can learn more about automotive mastermind at whiskaweeklypod.com mastermind now, let's get into today's episode.
1: You are now tuned in to The Wisco Weekly Experience.
0: Mabuhay, bienvenidos, Vi Welcome and welcome to Wisco Weekly listeners. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. You are tuned in to the podcast that explores the new business models for the mobility of people and goods. And listeners, I have a great show for you today and I got to tell you I am so thrilled. I think I think I'm on actually a really good track record of bringing on guests to the show who have never you know either been on a podcast but certainly there's just not a whole lot of information on them and so I'm thrilled that they spend their time with me to let me get inside their head I mean certainly I think uh, from previous guests they have been a bit thrilled that someone was able to get in their head and provides provide provide some clarity um, to some of the issues that are going on in the automotive and mobility space on today's show I have the general counsel and co-founder of FAIR. FAIR is a fintech startup offering used car lease subscriptions. And my guest began his college education with the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. He then went on and graduated summa cum laude at the University of Kentucky, where he also received his juris doctorate. In May of 2014, my guest packed his Wildcat fan gear and moved to the land of the Trojan and Bruin. Here to share insight on used car lease subscriptions, men, women, and children, please welcome to the show, Mr. Boone Park. Mr. Park, how are you, sir?
1: I'm good, Dennis. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Well, thank you, sir, for being on. I see that uh, you have the nice quarantine beard going on.
1: I do, yeah. It's uh, it's in it's in full uh, full full mode at the moment.
0: So so seriously, like so, I'm I'm on the complete opposite end of the spectrum of of growing facial hair. How long did that take you?
1: Um, I'd say this is probably about uh, twelve days in. <laughs> twelve days in.
0: I grow stub.
1: This is a full on couple months. So that, I think I think it's sixty days
0: man I, I, I for for 60 days for me I could probably grow better than stubbles like it's one of those things you close the door too hard and you might shake off all my whiskers that I got
1: The problem is it reminds me how gray I'm getting that's okay
0: well that's okay it's it's uh it's, it's distinguished it's uh, it's a sign of the hard work that you're putting in with fair so again I'm sure that you know you, you'll be able to share a lot of war stories here uh, on on this episode I, I have a few uh before we begin how can people follow you
1: um i'm I'm always available uh via email on booneatfair.com b-o-o-n-e at fair.com otherwise uh i'm not particularly active on on social media between a startup and a a three-year-old and a two-year-old i have my hands full and so there's not a lot of not a, a lot of free time left at the end of the day unfortunately
0: Oh, man. So we got to add general counsel, co-founder and, uh, you know, homeschooler to a certain extent of at least the three year old. I mean, again, that's I I don't have any kids myself, but I hear the idea of homeschooling has has been just an absolute burden for parents and just more so because your setup, your your mindset hasn't been it's not fully acclimated to what it takes to homeschool.
1: Yeah. I mean, people have to wear a lot of hats right now. Right. Um, Just the nature of the world that we live in yeah well, boone so I but it, in, it certainly gives you a greater appreciation for everybody else who does it on a daily basis
0: yeah, absolutely and and I think you know part of this appreciation is the fact that you are you, you can either make an argument that you're either um, spending you know you're're you're, you're finding time in your day to essentially spend time with your kids and hence when you're finding time in your day, it's then making, you know it it's hammering home the point that all the activities that you do get involved in you need to make you need to make sure that time is not wasted and i think that kind of starts to get us into you know, fair in general in the service that you guys provide. And certainly, I think when we do start to look at fair, I think is it's important that we really start to define terminology. I mean, you're obviously an attorney. Defining language is part and parcel to an attorney's job. So, you know, perhaps then to, to start things off, you, you have really two main identities in in car buyers these days you can you know you, first you can look at them as a cash buyer or a payment buyer a cash buyer is normally one that would come in and look to just pay the car off total they come in strike a stroke a check for the full price You have payment buyers that obviously are seeking um, services from a lender, to which then either if that lender is providing a loan or a lease, that is considered your payment buyer. But there's also now this idea of a subscriber, which is the, you could call it, I guess, a a modification or a, a twist to the payment buyer. In your eyes, then, Boone, how would you define a subscriber?
1: Yeah, it's, I think it's a great question. Um, you know, FAIR was really set up to accommodate all, all three types of folks. Um, you know, p- payment buyers are really interested in seeing transparent monthly pricing that are loaded for bear, include, you know, everything that they're actually going to have to pay um, and that are, that are susceptible of being accepted by the individual. So it's not, this isn't some idealistic pricing. This is what am I individually going to be able to pay for this car? And, you know, one way that, that folks sort of go about achieving that is by pushing out the terms of the existing auto finance options, which is a little bit antithetical to consumer tastes and interests, um, where we know that folks tend to be more, more transient and interested in flexibility. And so being locked into a, I think we're nearing a a record uh, nearly six years for a term for an auto loan Um, is a little bit contrary to consumer interest. And then you have cash buyers uh, who, you know, don't have to pony up tens of thousands of dollars at the outset for an asset that's going to be rapidly depreciating. And so, you know, FAIR caters to those folks by enabling access to mobility um, without the large upfront financial commitment. And so that sort of brings us to who is a subscriber. Subscribers, I think, tend to be a little bit younger than your payment buyers or your cash buyers. Um, they tend to be a little more tech savvy and tend to fall into the early adopters camp. Um, and they tend to be more focused on obtaining personal mobility. Right? It's, it's, they view the car less as you know a personal avatar or a, a, a message to the world as to who they are or how they view themselves. It really is more, I need to get from point A to point B. And I need a, a vehicle that that can be fle- as flexible as as necessary, based on where my life takes me. Whether that's pursuing a new job, whether that's you know a growing family and needing more space, it really is sort of the uh, having access to a vehicle that will accommodate wherever the individual is in their lives. And that's that's a subscriber.
0: And I mean, a lot of what you're kind of painting right there is just the idea of flexibility. And I would think that. At some point, early adopter will transition to more mass appeal and mass adoption. Um, you know, we can all think of, let's say, our parents in which and when Uber was first introduced, you know, they didn't know what it is. All of a sudden, they started to use it, and then now, you know, I got my father calling me, well, at least when, when people could fly, I got my father calling me, telling me about how he's not looking just to do an UberX now, but it's UberXL. Like, now he's getting finicky with his tastes, you know? What, what do you see as, like, kind of the next steps of having subscriptions be more in the mass appeal section in, in, the, in the car culture?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. It's, it's such an interesting point that you make. You know, I remember the first time somebody told me about Uber, I thought, you mean having a stranger come pick me up and me just jump in their car? No, thank you. Um, it was a similar thing for Spotify, right? right? Whenever, whenever I hear about music, no, thank you. I'm going to go to iTunes and I'm going to buy my albums and I'm going to own them. Um, I'm not going to pay for access to music. And, and, and whenever you start thinking about subscription, I think the the primary hurdle that needs to be overcome is just really socializing what it is and why it can be a good fit for people and just allowing them to understand what's actually being offered um, and and make their own determination, informed determination about whether it's right for where they are in their life and what they actually need as it relates to their, their mobility experience.
0: I actually love that term that you just used there, socializing the experience, What? dive into that. What, what does that mean exactly?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's really about allowing people to understand the, the specifics and contours. And and these concepts are foreign because they haven't existed before. And so I can't tell you the number of times when we first founded FAIR where somebody would say, oh, what's that? And I would explain it to them. And, and I would explain it by, you know, outlining the, mo- uh, the the flexibility that it enables and the fact that there is no fixed term. And people would say, that's, wow, that sounds really interesting. How long do I have to keep the car for? And I would have to say, no, no, no. That's, that's what I'm saying. You don't have to keep it at all. Just let us know when you're done with it and give it back. Um, and so I think that, that it really is, you know, sort of just causing people to fully understand and appreciate what it is that's being offered. So they can then say, yes, that works for me or no, I don't really have an interest in it. At least at the end of the day, understanding it allows them to make that informed judgment.
0: Obviously, with this pandemic that's going on now, there's this kind of glut of used car inventory. Are, are there any opportunities that have arisen as a result of this glut of used car inventory at Wholesale for Fair? Or for you guys, you're still, you know, because you work with dealers, that glut of wholesale inventory really hasn't affected your business model?
1: Well, uh, the, the honest answer is it remains to be seen. I think, you know, FAIR, like so many other businesses, are looking um, and trying to, to decide how the current climate is going to impact business going forward. Um, but but you're right that FAIR isn't a buyer of, of inventory uh, it, in the wholesale markets. We partner with dealers. And so, you know, it would it would indirectly impact our business based upon the availability uh, and, and pricing to dealers at which they're acquiring used car inventories uh to 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 sell i mean fair as a buyer of cars from dealers
0: yeah and you know so you know then the other thing obviously if you're working with dealers and not buying straight from the auction i think uh, as a equal parallel to this would be kind of the most recent ruling that's come out of california with the new car dealers or the california new car dealers association and their ruling that care by volvo violates franchise law essentially and so care by Volvo in California is not permitted. You as the general counsel at FAIR were instrumental and heavily involved in the process of ensuring that the service you guys provide in the state of California is supported by the California New Car Dealers Association. One of the things I can't help but draw a line is that if if there is a violation of franchise law with care by Volvo because it essentially deals with the with with a new car, in your guys's case, you're dealing with used cars, but it's still coming from the same manufra- same manufacturer. You know how does how how does someone like myself as a consumer who, at the end of the day, I want the option of be it a subscription? Or be able to lease or purchase. What's the difference there between fair being able to provide the service versus a you know the manufacturer being able to provide a subscription service in California?
1: I think there's this inherent tension that exists between innovation um, and and regulation, um, and the the two things have to move in tandem. Uh, and so you know laws that are on the books today, by definition don't contemplate ideas that have not yet been been hatched um, and, and so I, I think that it's important that that you know regulations not be too restrictive so as to stifle innovation but also that innovative business models that pop up are appropriately evaluated and regulated to ensure the protection of consumers especially but also existing market participants um, and, and so in terms of fair I don't I, you know, we just, we took a different approach. Um, we knew that we were doing something different and we wanted to make sure that, that we were uh, engaging early with regulators, again, to socialize what we were thinking and what we intended to do to obtain their feedback. Um, it, you know, they, they're not in the business of giving all clear letters or, or, or uh, you know, sort of signing off on business models. But, you know, for the C and in particular, they have uh, a, a number of pretty much all the new car dealers in the state of California um, as their members, and they have an obligation to those members. Uh, and, and all that they can do is, at least with, the, with respect to the regulatory landscape, evaluate the laws that are on the books and make determinations about whether relationships between their members and those various business models run the risk of, of you know, getting their, their members in trouble. I mean, that's their obligation. And yeah. so as it relates to FAIR, it was important to us that, that we were interfacing with the CNCDA so that they understood what we were doing. And, and frankly, it was helpful to have the second look because you know, there is a reason there are so many lawyers in the world who can reach so many different conclusions. And so for us having their perspective as well, given their expertise, it was, it was remarkably helpful to us.
0: You know, since you've been there from the start with FAIR, and then having the, CNC, the CNCDA, California New Car Dealers, God, I can't get these acronyms, CNCDA, since you were there from the start, like, was there apprehension on your part that this program may not pass their, their litmus test?
1: Uh, there was not concern on my part that it wouldn't pass their litmus test. But again, these rules never contemplated FAIR's business model. And so, you know, it's often the case that there might be uh, words that can be subject to differing interpretation or some level of ambiguity. But at the same time, you know, FAIR had a, a, a team internally and externally of really thoughtful people who, who were well-versed in California's laws and the laws across the state who were helping craft the, the, the business model while it was in its infancy. Um, I think that was a, a real advantage for FAIR. To have lawyers at the table from the time that it was founded, to be able to say, you know, we can achieve the, the 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 concept that you want to achieve in a slightly different way, and to help ensure that we were we were doing it, you know, sort of taking the the measure twice, cut once approach, um, and, and and so I, I was confident that we've been really thoughtful about how we develop the business model, and I think that that was ultimately validated, um, which was you know really really satisfying and rewarding to know that not only are you excited about the concept, but that it's also Legally viable.
0: You know the business model. I think is is absolutely very genius in a lot of ways. I mean, first off, I'm I'm a you know for the listeners out there, I want to ensure that I'm being quote unquote fair. In that, I've been a fanboy of fair for quite a while, probably since inception. And furthermore, I've also been a, a, a fanboy of Scott Painter because he's always been the guy, the entrepreneur that has gone against the grain to do something different and big. And so the business model that of used car leasing again, I, I just it, it seems like at right now it's a it's a perfect storm because a you have the ability to. Um, access big data and make sense of big data, thereby employing a used car lease subscription model. You have manufacturers that have built some very, very good cars over the last 10, 15 years. And now you have a service that allows you to access this, this these vehicles. So four years into the business now, uh, what can you tell us about who are Fair subscribers?
1: Yeah, so so nearly seventy percent of Fair subscribers are millennials. Um, so we, we we do tend to skew a little bit younger. Uh, about two out of three are males. Um, average monthly income for Fair customers is around seven thousand um, dollars, which which you know obviously skews high. But I think that's a in large part a product of the fact that. Uh, we're operating in, in Florida and California at the moment, um, and California in particular probably skews higher on the on the national income average. And then, you know, probably more interestingly, at least to to us, is the fact that we have a lot of 1099 employees, a lot of you know folks who do consulting work or who have you know side gigs where they they need the flexibility because they don't necessarily know where their life is going to take them, and they may be in a different city or on a new project or a new assignment. Um, and so, you know, we sort of deliver to those folks a a form of mobility that that really uh, accommodates their life.
0: I didn't know that 1099 portion because if that is the case, then you know one of the one of the assembly bills that I know you're familiar with, then that could affect how you know the success of fair in California is Assembly Bill five, and certainly I am a uh, opponent of that bill because I do believe still that. When it comes down to being a 1099 uh, independent contractor, that that is a relationship that that person, that independent contractor is engaged with a private company, and that relationship should stay in the hands of those two parties and not have any third party come in there that would ruin that relationship. And so uh, I know that I've had some prior guests on the show, Harry Campbell, for one, who also supports... uh, or who, who is a proponent of AB five as well? Sorry, I'm saying proponent, opponent, opponent of AB five.
1: Yeah, you know, we honestly haven't. We we don't necessarily have a direct dog in the fight. We've certainly watched with with interest to see how it's unfolded. I've watched with interest as as a lawyer and somebody who's in uh, in, in sort of the legal landscape. Um, for us, it was more of interest that that folks who who are maybe in, in less permanent. Uh, positions with respect to, you know, sort of stable full-time employment going into an office environment every day and knowing where they're going to go tomorrow because where they went yesterday, uh, tended to over-index on the subscription product. Um, you know, it, 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 it was consistent with with what we anticipated when we set out that, that there would be early adopters and folks who just simply had a greater need for flexible mobility. Um, and it, it's been interesting to us to see that validated.
0: Uh, what can you share with regards to credit, uh, with regards to these millennials? I mean, obviously, it's fair to presume that if these are millennials, their credit's not going to be as, as lengthy. However, are you seeing also that a lot of the fair subscribers tend to either be on the tier one levels or are they on kind of the below tier one levels?
1: Yeah, in, in terms of the credit profile of Fair subscribers, they really run run the spectrum. Um, we obviously employ our own underwriting criteria, focused on determining you know whether to qualify uh, a potential Fair customer and and if so, for what uh, types of vehicles and at what payment levels. Um, as of right now, our, our credit probably skews a little bit higher, uh, which is a byproduct of of you know the where we operate uh, the, the, the early adopter and tech customer that we have. Um, and, and, you know, ultimately as we scale across the country, I would expect that to normalize, but, but right now it tends to skew more towards, you know, top tier, uh, you know, or, or sort of, uh, upper middle tier credit.
0: And so you had mentioned scaling across the country and also that right now that you're in California and in your, and you're in Florida where are the next set of states that people can expect FAIR to be in?
1: I think it's still to be determined. Um, we're constantly analyzing the markets. Previously, as recently as the, the fall of 2019, we were in about 25 markets across the U.S. Um, and I would expect that our next markets will be some of uh, the, the states that you would suspect. So, you know, the the, the Northeast is obviously a high high-volume market where, uh, you know, folks need access to mobility. Um, Texas is a large market. Some, some you know, uh, sort of states on, on you know, Washington, Oregon can have, have appeal. And so those are probably the most likely candidates uh, as we're looking where to go next. And then, you know, constantly evaluating the impact that, that the current pandemic may have on, on mobility needs and demands. Um, and we would, we would uh, you know, one of the great things about being a startup is you can be nimble and flexible enough to adjust your plans. Um, And so we would certainly take that into account as well.
0: Well, I think it's then pretty easy to suggest that based on the FAIR persona, you know, who's on on the platform, who essentially you guys are also looking to target, that in a lot of ways that this subscriber is going to be living in urban environments. Um, Are you seeing anything with regards to suburbanites also subscribing to FAIR?
1: Yeah, we have we have seen a lot. I mean, you know, the reality is uh, subscription should have mass appeal. It is it is for you know the majority of folks who need vehicles. Uh, it, it should it should be competing with traditional auto finance options. I mean, it, you know, there there has been the the, the loan initially, and then lease uh, was introduced as a way to you know get more car for the same price or the same car for less money by way of only financing the depreciation. Um, and subscription should really be a third path for auto finance um that doesn't mean that it's going to be the right fit for everyone my dad for example will will probably never be the ideal fair customer he's a he's a farmer in kentucky and he he buys a truck when it's new and he uses it until it cannot function anymore and then he goes and buys a new truck and does it all over again and so you know subscribing to a vehicle is not going to is likely not going to make sense for him but for for the vast majority of folks whether they're in you know urban areas or or suburban areas or rural areas um you know a subscription should be a viable a viable uh, option to satisfy their needs
0: forgive me here but i could probably make a case for your father as a farmer to subscribe to fair i mean let's say as a farmer you know he is he becomes a ten ninety-nine in which as part of his farm, maybe there's a specific initiative for him to use a specific truck, one that requires perhaps ten thousand pounds of towing. And maybe the car he maybe the truck he has now only has three thousand pounds of towing. Well, maybe for those, th- you know, three months for the summer of, of of harvesting and towing around trucks and, you know, replowing the land, maybe there maybe he needs that truck well, I don't know if you guys offer trucks, but let's just say hypothetically you're offering these trucks that can tow 10,000 pounds. Hey, there, your father would very well be a su- subscriber of FAIR.
1: Maybe, but I've seen how much that man beats up his trucks. <laughs> um, and the reality is that, that FAIR, you know, is sort of is sort of premised on a, a lease structure. And so vehicle depreciation and condition is a real thing um, that has financial impacts and, and, and you have to recoup those. And so, uh, you know, the, the truth is that I don't want my dad to have to worry when he's out there, you know, loading load the back of his pickup up whether he scratches or dings the door, and so, um, and so at least as of right now, you know, we don't have a great way to approximate that without having to try to impose those those additional wear and tear costs.
0: What, um, walk me through about out of state deals. I mean, since you're only in California, but let's say someone in Las Vegas is like, hey, you know what? There's a there's a car that I see on this dealer lot, and somehow there's the connection that uh, they can. Uh, use fair to get that car. How, how does an out-of-state deal like that work?
1: Uh, not well at the moment, uh, which is primarily a product of some of the regulatory e- e- environments that that persist. You know, vehicles need to be registered to the location of of the the lessee uh, and sort of the the one who's in possession of the vehicle, and so it's, it's a challenge. You know, a lot of times this is a, a circumstance where the regulatory framework that's in place have, haven't quite caught up with the realities of how mobile we are as a society nowadays.
0: That is unfortunate, but it obviously makes sense, a lot of sense. I mean, even on any kind of uh car purchase that you have to adhere to state laws so i found myself in many ways where somebody if somebody was looking to buy a car from nevada well you in order to avoid for instance uh paying california sales tax you had to make sure that delivery occurred outside of state lines or you had to essentially have that vehicle towed over to someone in las vegas so um, state policy unfortunately in this case will not be a factor in making uh, used car vehicles subscriptions uh, p- proliferate anytime soon. Well, Boone, one of the things that has been going on with your company there is there's been some major major changes over the last four, five, six months now, where be it the funding has changed from SoftBank to now where you where you guys have recently announced a new CEO. Uh, Tell me about this. Tell me about FAIR moving forward with your new CEO at the helm, Mr. Bradley Stewart.
1: Yeah, you know, it, it, it's, it's certainly uh, an interesting time to be a part of FAIR. And, you know, one of the great things about being associated with the startup, and I referenced this a little bit earlier, is the fact that you do have an opportunity to more nimbly pursue opportunities that present themselves. Um, and that's really what we have attempted to do all along the way, to the extent that, that partnership opportunities or, you know, new user experience offerings came about. We wanted to, to try to evaluate, make smart decisions, um, go and pursue the, the opportunities that we thought made sense, and to the extent that you identified an opportunity that maybe didn't make sense, uh, you know, be, be, be humble and thoughtful enough to say that didn't work. Let's go back to the drawing board and focus our time and attention where we can add more value. Um, and, and so as part of that, you know, over the last several months, we've really taken stock of, of, of the business and where fair drives value to various constituent groups and where it can drive the market forward and where maybe it's better off allowing others to innovate or uh, more established players to, to sort of lead the charge. And so as a result of that, we are really focused on uh, sustainable growth that, that has us focusing more on our core consumer offering um, and growing that, that key subscription portfolio in a way that makes sense for the business. And so it's not necessarily that we're changing what we do. We're just going to do fewer things, but do them better.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense, and and I mean, if I were to decode some of the things that you're you're referencing, is you guys had a big program launched uh, maybe as two years ago, which was Fair Go, which was you part was which was Fair partnering with Uber and essentially rideshare drivers. That program was good for the time being; it served its purpose. Yet, yet, your core offering of 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 providing used car lease subscriptions was always there, and then now, as you move forward, that is the that will be the primary focus in building the business is the used car lease subscriptions, and and working with your with your dealer network in order to foster more of these subscriptions out there.
1: That that's exactly right. Their uh, opportunity was an interesting one, um, and we learned a lot from it. Uh, Uber is a remarkable organization with a lot of really smart, innovative people. Um, and its ability to retain a startup culture at size and scale is really impressive. Uh, in terms of providing vehicles to rideshare drivers, I'll just tell you candidly, it, it, it was a big undertaking um, that represented a, a, a pretty different business model than what Fair was founded on. It required us to go establish a physical presence in markets, um, buy vehicles in advance, so that when somebody said they needed a vehicle to drive for rideshare, that we had a car actually ready for them to to get behind the wheel immediately, um, and, and so there were a lot of moving parts to it. Uh, insurance was a challenge. You know, as rideshare has become a, a greater part of the mobility landscape, not every uh, sort of uh, product ancillary to automotive has kept up, and I think insurance is one of those areas where there hasn't been an ideal solution developed there. And so, you know, we, we, we ran into some challenges um, and at the end of the day decided that that, that for FAIR's best interest, it was really ideal for us to focus more on the, what the company was founded on, which is a direct-to-consumer subscription offering that allows a more efficient transaction process and a more flexible mobility option.
0: You, with your legal background, is there any, uh, be it policy, uh, that could help spur the proliferation of fair subscriptions? So for instance, one of the ways that I look at this is especially back in 12 years ago in 08, there was eventually the cash for clunkers program aimed to stimulate the automotive economy. We're going through another recession at the moment and there's lots of stimulus packages coming out. Is there any such Policy, or is there any such law that you s- would like to see in order to again proliferate fair sub- subscriptions?
1: I don't know that it's necessarily a law that I want to see, or anything that represents a fundamental change in the landscape. I, I, what I would encourage instead is uh, that that you know regulators and those sort of on that side of the fence understand that innovation uh, can be really helpful for folks' lives and that, that, that business models that are new and innovative shouldn't be discounted, discredited, or cast aside simply because they represent a new way of doing things. Instead, they should be monitored, um, and, and for those that prove to be beneficial, they should be fostered and encouraged. You know, to the extent that, that, that subscriptions, uh, vehicle subscriptions, represent something that consumers both want uh, and, that, and that can be beneficial, you know, we should, we should foster an environment where it's able to thrive and succeed. Um, that said, startups should also have it incumbent upon themselves to analyze the existing legal landscape and ensure that they are doing things in an appropriate manner. Um, you know, there, there, there have been bad actors historically who have taken advantage of, of consumers or otherwise you know, a, a, attempted to pursue some get-rich-quick schemes, and, and that uh, is a discredit to society, and doesn't help consumers, and so I think that you know it, it, there's this give and take, and everyone needs to both be eyes wide open, but also uh, encouraging a business model that can you know, advance all aspects of society.
0: Yeah, amen to that. I mean, I don't, I don't know how that can be, I don't know how that can happen, but certainly there's been cases where you have businesses that either ask for permission or ask for forgiveness. In Fair's case, you guys definitely have asked for permission first, but I can, you know, you can make an argument that the Carabay Volvo program or even Bird, the micro mobility company of of Uber, you know, they were in the position of asking for forgiveness because they deployed their business model. They were able to get some traction and then the regulations started to come in and, you know. Obviously, in Bird's case, they, they kind of survived it with the acquisition or with them being acquired by Uber. But obviously, in Volvo's case, they weren't able to um, fight through the regulations.
1: Yeah, you know, Volvo in particular is an interesting one. And, and not just because I'm you know, deep within the automotive ecosystem and interested in it, but uh, the, the laws that, that are sort of an issue in, in the, the care by Volvo situation are really franchise laws first and foremost. Um, there may be some some other ancillary laws implicated, but you know those are a little bit different. And 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 Fair had the benefit of not being uh, subject to those laws because we're not a, we're not a manufacturer. We don't have you know franchise dealers out there. And those are those are well established uh, laws that have been on the books for a very long time. And that you know as I noted earlier, don't contemplate new innovative business models. And so you know Volvo very well may be able to either modify their program or, or work with regulators to enable it. Um, and I, ultimately, at the end of the day, the biggest factor, by and large, is consumer interest. If consumers want a product, it finds a way. Um, and that, frankly, that's the way that it should be. It should be done you know, in the right way. It should be done in, in a legally compliant way. But if there is a, a product offering that is advantageous to consumers, it, it will find a way.
0: Yeah, actually. And and to juxtapose that to, let's say, Bird's case, right? Well, I think one of the reasons why Bird was able to stay around because they had so much traction very early on care by Volvo and other subscription services. That directly come from the manufacturers. They haven't picked up. They haven't. They haven't exploded and disrupted the industry as much as again a, a bird has. And perhaps if that was the case, if Care by Volvo did disrupt the industry, then maybe the regulation would not have come down from the California DMV, and maybe there would be more acquiescence to having uh, dealers, CNCDA, the automakers all work together, if if the market demanded it.
1: I think that is exactly right. Um, you, you have a circumstance where whenever you are at a certain small size and scale, you don't even register on folks radars. Um, and, and a number of startups sort of operate with that benefit of anonymity. Um, somebody like Volvo is not going to have the benefit of anonymity. They're already uh, already automatically on the radar. Um, and, and so, they they have to take a a different approach maybe than two guys in a garage might take whenever they're sort of standing up a new business model
0: you know Boone give us an idea in moving forward here you got you know I, I see this as like the USA dream team of 92 where you got Bradley Stewart at the helm you got you in pocket you have Scott Painter in pocket you have George Bauer in pocket and others what's what can we expect from fair over the next year that this dream team is going to be showing us?
1: I think what you'll see is is fair, you know scaling its business model across the country, focused on the direct-to-consumer offering, focused on uh, growing its business in a profitable and sustainable way um rather than, you know uh, the 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 approach that has been pervasive previously which was kind of a a grow at all cost mindsets uh mindset go get customer share and, and segment and we'll find a way to make it profitable later and so you know that that might work uh for pure tech place but fair is really more of a a tech and finance hybrid model um and and the finance component of the business in particular requires us to operate with with real discipline and to make smart financial decisions as it relates to the vehicles that we're buying, at what price, uh, and the payments that we're charging to customers, uh, and how we operate to ensure that we're scaling the thing in a disciplined way for the benefit of all constituent groups. Um, but I know that everyone at FAIR is hugely excited to wake up every day and pioneer this this third path of automotive finance that that we think is going to become a, a huge component of the market.
0: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to following you guys for the rest of this year and for as long as uh, you guys are around. Again, I'm a big fan of the business model in general. I think it's absolutely genius. And perhaps this is the time that, uh, you know, with with the pandemic and with the economic crisis, perhaps, you know, this this aligns the planets for you guys uh, on where you can gain more mass adoption. I certainly I uh, have taken a closer look at FAIR when I say closer look, like on a personal level of actually trying out one of the vehicles of, you know, really just for fun kind of thing. So I'm hoping to try out the service very soon. Um, I want to thank you, Mr. Park, for being on the show and for sharing a lot of your insights as general counsel and co-founder. Of Fair and I will listeners, I will put his information on the episode page if you want to get in touch with them. Boone, thank you, sir, and also thank you to Alexis Evans who helped put this episode together as we end every episode. Cheers, Prost, Lchaim, Kipis, Nastravi, Salud, Kampai, Mabruk, Tutsins, Gambe. Yamas, Nastorovie. Vo, and Salute to the quarantine experience.
1: Wisco Weekly listeners, thank you for tuning in with us to another hopefully great episode. Dennis and I are always grateful to have you along for our journey. We are especially grateful for two of our partners, Automotive Mastermind and Comotion Miami for coming along with us on this journey. If you are enjoying our show, please subscribe to our email list at wiscoweeklypod.com. We want to continue to bring you great content and can give you those updates if you subscribe to the email list. Please go to wiscoweeklypod.com. We look forward to connecting again soon.